Well, this has uh, just been an enjoyable weekend. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. And uh, I've enjoyed the services all weekend as really we celebrate what God's called us to do. I believe as Christians, we're supposed to be a blessing in the lives of other people. Uh, we often use the phrase, being in the hands and feet of Jesus. And uh, his last words called us, as I mentioned, to be a blessing where we live, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts. Uh, likewise, spreading across our inner city and across culturally to be a blessing, as well as in other parts of the world. It's not either or, it's all of the above. And so at CLC, we are passionate about all of the above. And that's why I loved hearing the stories about uh, the, the taking it to the streets. And what you probably learned that we already know as a team is when it comes to spending money for God, for other people, it takes prayer and wisdom. It does some hard work figuring that out. And uh, I don't know about you, now my take to the street story didn't go too well. Um, I premeditated what I was going to do, and I was going to bless uh, people that work at the Planet Fitness that I go to a few times a week. And so I had it all planned. It was the uh, second week of Thanksgiving, and so I went up to the team, and I said, hey, I told them what I was going to do. I wanted to bless them, and I was going to go order something for them. And they're like, no, no, that's okay, really, we're good. And the next, no, no, really, do it for somebody who really needs it. So they wouldn't even take it. So I was like, okay, now what do I do? So um, providentially, God brought somebody across my path that I'd been connected with. We kind of separated a little bit and trying to work on helping them be part of CLC. And so uh, the second half of it, I, I got what I need. I kind of added to it. So my taking to the streets is happening this week. So if you haven't got it done, tell your neighbor, get it done. All right? So that 20 bucks. And so now when it comes to uttermost parts, missions work and whatnot, I would like to take you on a trip that Patrick McKee and I just went on. He is our outreach team leader. And uh, the, now November 14th, Monday, we left Dayton and returned Tuesday before Thanksgiving this past week. Uh, in that trip, we spent 38 hours in airplanes, 21 hours in layovers in three different airports on three different continents. We went to Chicago, to Frankfurt, to Johannesburg, and then drove in. And it was an amazing trip. Now, not all of you will be called to go to Africa. In fact, most of you probably won't be called to go to Africa. But all of us are called to pray. All of us are called to give. Uh, and, uh, and so you still are part of what we do there. Because you've heard me say, if you've been here very long, that we learned if you're good with stewardship, uh, as a church, you get to a certain size, you don't need all your money just to do operations. And so what you just gave in your tithes, the general fund, 25% of that goes to our God-sized vision fund. And out of that fund, we do things like build churches in Eswatini, Africa. Out of that, we packed the 600,000 meals that are that meal packs coming up, I think, the first weekend of March. And we send it to those partners there who are living in poverty. Out of that, we do things with inner city ministries. Out of that, we help plant churches. So 25% of what you just gave in the general fund is going to those ministries. And so what you see today, you help make possible if you're a regular giver at CLC. And so in 2007, I wish I had the time to tell you the whole story. We felt compelled that we need to go to Africa, to a, to a country where poverty and AIDS were a huge problem. I asked our outreach director, Norm Perkins, at the time, pray about it and find a country where those are problems. I'd like a country small enough where not just a drop in the bucket. Um, if it was politically stable, that'd be good. And if they spoke English, that'd be a plus when we send teams. I believe Norm heard from God and came back a few weeks later and dropped a, a folder in front of me and said, Swaziland is your place. Well, while the, the people there still call it Swaziland, it's now called Eswatini. A couple of years ago, the king changed the name. But it's a nation the size of Rhode Island, about a million people. Two-thirds live on less than a dollar a day, and they had the highest HIV rate on the continent at the time, although that's been improving. And so we started a partnership there, and what I told the congregation was, 
We're going to go as an exploratory team, seven of us, to Africa. We're going to find a community that we can build a church, do holistic ministry with that church, um, spiritual needs, but also preschool to care for children, uh, feeding programs, uh, sustainability programs, health care and outreach. And we're going to partner with that community and see it change over time. That was the vision. How many of you ever started something with God and then God had a different idea? All right. So the idea was to find a, a community and build a church. And here we are now, 15 years and 28 churches later. There are 28 churches, yeah, and you helped provide those. We believe that change should happen in the community, by the community, with the church at the center of it, and that's the acronym ICBC, in Community by Community. It cost about $55,000 from what you just gave earlier uh, to build the, the pastor's home. We build that first, and we build a home, uh, build the, the church, it becomes a preschool also, and then when we need to, we build the preschool. And we add water capture systems for them, and if it's suitable, we're now adding wells. And then one of the things that made us fall in love with Kevin Ward when we first met, he said, Stan, we cannot create donor dependence because uh, if you create donor dependence, what happens is the donor's vision changes or their resources change, and then the ministry fails. And our first trip to Africa, we drove by a lot of partially finished buildings that was, that was going to be a church, that was going to be an orphan center, that was going to be, and it never became. And so of our 28 churches, I believe 24 of them already, some of them are brand new, are self-sustaining economically. And so you help provide beehives for them. You help provide block making, brick making resources. You help provide chickens and goats and whatnot. So thank you for what you're doing. I want you to, to feel just a big deep breath and a, ah, that feels good to see what we're doing as the hands and feet of Jesus. And you're doing it, even though you may never go there. So go with me to Eswatini. Um, prior to us getting on the scene in 2007, Pastor Kevin and Helen Ward planted a church called Potter's Wheel Church. And Joyce and I, we started in 07. In 08, Joyce and I and Jonathan and Lauren went for Christmas. And Potter's Wheel was meeting in a rented room, actually from about where I'm standing now. And I took this picture uphill at a conference center. And there were about 65 or 75 people. Now, 15 years later, that is Potter's Wheel Church down the hill. They have over 1,000 people meeting together on the weekend. About 75% of them are indigenous people to Swaziland, Eswatini, and they're doing an amazing work, and we partner with them, reaching out then across the country, uh, planting these ICBC churches. And the premise for uh, today's message is really from Acts chapter 20. The apostle said, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said is more blessed to give than to receive. Would you repeat that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Tell your neighbor that. Go on. It's more blessed. And so I want you to see how blessed we are as a church because God uses us to give millions of dollars across our city and around the world. And I want you to see how Patrick and I came back and we said, you know what feels so good about this trip? It really is working. Now, one of the things that helped that was, as a church, you fund a pastor's school. Our ICBC pastors gather together every month at Potter's Wheel for a couple of days of training and encouragement, and we get the DNA right, those of you into organizational development. And so the priorities and the training is right there. 
And so when we arrived, the plan was, uh, we arrived on Wednesday, Thursday, we were to spend the day with our ICBC pastors. I really felt like God laid a message on my heart for them. And then you can imagine how heartbroken I was on Wednesday when we arrived and uh, Kevin, Pastor Kevin and Julius, who oversees the building of the ICBCs, tried to let me down gently. There's been a lot of civil unrest by some outside uh, forces, national forces, and they, they tend to control the union for transportation and the teachers union. And so they will randomly call a strike and shut down the nation. There will be no school tomorrow, and there's no school. There will be no public transportation tomorrow. There is no public transportation. And they told me when I arrived on Wednesday, they've called a strike. If they don't lift the strike, there'll only be about five or six pastors tomorrow because there's no public transport. That's how they would get here. I was so dejected. But I said, okay, Lord, well, whoever's going to be here, I'm going to preach to them. And so uh, I was elated when Wednesday morning they said, the strike is lifted. We hope the pastors are coming. We start a little later. And 25 of the 28 pastors came. And so we started with prayer and then some worship. And I just had to get my cell phone out and do a little selfie shot. And I wanted you to hear this. I've been there 13 times. I don't understand a word they said, but I'm still blessed every time I hear it. <laughs> Evidently, one international language nonverbal with worship is to sway. Do you notice they were swaying while they were singing? But anyways. So I was, as you would imagine, having a great time because I had not one but two whiteboards that day, all right? This is one of them. And uh, the theme that I felt dealt with was, what do you suppose God is up to? Would you say that? What do you suppose God is up to? That's an important question for you to ask. Wherever you're at in life, what do you suppose God is up to in your life? In this church, what do you suppose God is up to? For them, I wanted them to ask the question, what do you suppose God is up to? Because down the other side of that board listed all the problems and challenges they face. It's easy to get focused on the problems and challenges of life, yes? And we forget to ask, okay, in, in, in all this stuff I'm dealing with, what do you suppose God is up to? Because he's up to something. And so we shared that time, and, and I decided I needed to share with them, because some of these pastors have just been in the queue two or three years. They're brand new in their pastoring, and they don't know from whence they came in 2007. I can't share the whole story now, but it was providential how God brought our past together with Pastor Kevin and how the ICBC vision was born. So I wanted them to know that, because it's good to know. And I told them, you are part of a divinely inspired mission to reach Eswatini and turn it into the pulpit to Africa, because that was Kevin's original vision. And here's what's really cool. That's them, but would you say that's us? Because you are part of a divinely inspired mission to reach the nation of Eswatini, Africa, and turn it into the pulpit to Africa. You know, well, how's that? Well, you just gave. 24% of what you just gave goes to help build the ICBCs that you're going to see, goes to help feed these children uh, the rice meals that you help pack, that you pay for what you just did. So we are part of a divinely inspired mission to reach the nation of Eswatini and see it become the pulpit to Africa. How cool is that? So, well, I think it's cool if you don't, all right? So... Uh, 
that week. And, and that's what the church should be about. We should be about making a difference with people we live with uh, across our city and around the world. And so, um, in fact, uh, Bobby Bronk, between services, had to find me. She said, look at this. She gave me a thank you note that somebody gave her because she took a pie to a new neighbor. And they said, you know what? We were feeling like we should find a church nearby, so they're going to check us out. So if you're here, glad you're here. So uh, Patrick McKee got to preach his first message, first sermon of his ministry career uh, at Hawane CLC. And uh, I told Patrick we had that in common. My first sermon I preached on a missions trip to people who didn't understand me. I preached to an interpreter. And he did that at, at the Hawane CLC through an interpreter as well. But he did a great job. And uh, then we took a tour of ICBC churches. I'll show you just a few. This is Pastor John and Paul and Jenny. And uh, one of his assistants there is who's part of the church. That is actually the pastor's home behind us uh, that doubles as a Sunday school building. If you were where this picture was taken from, you'd see chickens running around, and that's part of his sustainability. Then we went and saw a pastor in Colise at Nguenya. And uh, this is a church, again, that you help pay for, you pay for to build. And uh, you're going to hear more from uh, Pastor Colise. We took a, a great video. You'll hear more from him uh, in the months to come. But each site had people from the ICBC, the congregation, there, even though it was on an off time and an off day. We saw Pastor Joel at uh, Kinesi. And uh, Pastor Joel and his people were thrilled to, to, to show us around. And uh, there's some folks there from the church gathered together. We took the, we took the infamous uh, group photo. Uh, and uh, in, in that uh, trip to see Pastor Joel, um, there was a, a really kind-hearted gesture of hospitality uh, for the culture. And we got a kick out of it uh, privately in the truck. So I'll share with you what that was. So, Pastor Joel is the pastor of this ICBC. Uh, what did he just want to do? Oh, he wanted to give us a live chicken. To <laughs> <laughs> have us in the car. <laughs> and we declined. I was, I was impressed on how good looking the chickens are. And they wanted to just not give it to us. <laughs> All those people right there. <laughs> Nothing like us for TV. Yeah, really, I'm, I'm, I'm a city boy, right? So I'm walking, well, these are really nice-looking chickens, you know? And so we get in the car and truck, and sure enough, the pastor says, we're going to give you a chicken. And I'm like, I wouldn't know what that, well, I know what you do with them, so I hear. All right, you wring their neck, right? And then you boil them, you pluck them, and then you cook them. I ain't doing that. Okay, so uh, we thanked them anyways, and uh, we left them keep the chicken. But it was just a kind gesture, and that's part of their sustainability. Uh, there are chickens running around, there are rabbits, there are pigs, there are goats, because we want them self-sustaining uh, and also providing for the community. This next shot shows you that while it's a small nation and the topography varies, there are some beautiful parts to Eswatini, uh, as the scenery shows there. Uh, we are entering the, the winter, or the summer season. It's the rainy season. So one day it was 105 degrees. Uh, that's a hot heat. Uh, some of it was a dry heat. No, it was wet and it was hot. And uh, this is Pendulile. She is a pastor. She's a widow. And she pastors at Mlindazwe. And uh, you can see her. She's all excited. Uh, because we asked the, we asked questions, okay, what is your sustainability? What are you doing to support the church? Because lots of people who come, the majority are children and youth, uh, and then many people aren't gainfully employed to be able to give Emmeline Ganey or Rand. And so her church makes concrete blocks to sell as their sustainability. She said, ta-da! And so that's what she does and her people uh, to support the church. And uh, so uh, she, when we were done with her visit, she was very kind, and she gave you this gift that I bring. Uh, she made it, or the people did. So you put the nails in, and then you use the, the string. 
I'm not sure where we're at, which there we go. Um, and it says, we love Heart CLC. On the back, it says, thank you for the difference you make in our lives. And that's not just wording, folks. You're making a difference. We spent a few days touring communities where if it weren't for you, there'd be no hope. If it weren't for you, there'd be no food. I remember we went to Lava Mesa, and, uh, and, and where the women eat their wings, they set the agenda. I remember talking to Kevin. It was going to be our second site, and he said, Stan, we need to go to Lava Mesa because people are dying of starvation there, and the witchcraft is real. And now Lava Mesa, it's amazing what God's done through Pastor Sabello and that site. So you are making a difference. Um, I want to ask the question, how many of you, we also uh, found that with the preschools, we started a sponsorship program, $27 a month to sponsor these children. How many of you are among the, there are 805 kids being sponsored by CLC. How many of you are sponsors of our kids? All right. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I want you to know it's making a difference. And, and so uh, when we went to uh, Linda's way, here's a picture of the congregation, some of them that, that came uh, just to say hello. And uh, you're going to hear from the two little girls in the front because they are also preschool students in the preschool. Somebody is sponsoring them, all right? And uh, when we entered this fall season, and you do the math, we're looking at launching four to eight ICBCs next year. When the preschool's up and running, it takes a little time, there are 40 kids in a preschool per ICBC. So we'll have more that we'll need. But this fall in September, we needed 250 new kids to be sponsored. And I remember telling Kevin, I, don't know if we can, I hope we can do that. I don't know. So brace them. But the pastors, there, there may not be the sponsor funds to do that. And what was so incredible is that in the month of October, we shared the need, and 250 of you said yes. And they were blown away. We got there. They said, we can't believe you're sponsoring 805 children. So thank you for what you're doing. If you're feeling like, oh, man, I missed out, there'll be more opportunities. Uh, but for those of you who are sponsoring kids, and, and those of you who, who give to CLC because you built this preschool, uh, it's an off, it's on a Saturday, but here's what they wanted to show you. That is very good. And then here we have two Eddie elephants. They make E. Okay, read this word. E. The word is Z. And this one. E. The word is P. And then this one. E. The word is P. And this one. Wow. Right. <laughs> it's a fancy way to roll your R's and say the word green. You built that church that doubles as a preschool. Those of you who are sponsoring those kids. And I want to show you also what happens when you sponsor. Uh, we can get a close-up of this. Uh, each child gets a backpack, which is pretty special in itself. Uh, you'll see in a moment the stick and mud huts that are the kind of places those kids walk to for home. And it says on there, Challenge Ministries, Swaziland, Christian Life Center, and preschool. And uh, so 
Each child gets a backpack. They also, in addition to getting fed each day and their school supplies and paying the teacher, uh, they get a uniform. And so the uniform that they receive, in the winter it gets in the 40s, so they each get a nice little stocking hat. Uh, and then because it's uh, cold in the wintertime, they get a little uh, sweatsuit outfit. And here is the, the top, and it has the logo on there. They get the, whoops, they get the pants to go with it. And these pants are lined. I feel like I'm on QVC. Okay, they're, they're lined. And so uh, they, have, they wear these proudly. And it's so cool when you're there uh, during that time and they're all dressed. And then uh, there's also a sweater for them to wear in the wintertime to keep warm. And they'll often wear these uh, all day because that's the clothing they have. Uh, in the summertime, when it's nice, they will wear these nice little polos, okay? And again, $27 a month, 90 cents a day, uh, you're able to provide all that for them. And then, of course, the little shorts in the summertime. So uh, thank you. Uh, it is so making a difference. And a lot of times you wonder, but you really are being the hands and feet of Jesus, not just in our neighborhoods and, and across our city, but around the world. And there are little boys and girls who will grow up someday and remember the preschool. I mean, you hear how good they're reading and they're in preschool? Our kids end up uh, getting out of preschool and they're reading at a first and second grade level. So thank you for giving them a leg up. So get in the truck with me. Let's go a little further and see if you can notice from this uh, scenery, again, beautiful scenery again, uh, the strategically significant life-saving thing in this slide that you are responsible for. Look hard. Can you guess? If you guess those three plowed strips of dirt, you're right. You bought the tractors. We have two tractors that you bought when you gave. Uh, and we have a team of plow drivers that go around the country to the ICBCs as a ministry of the church to provide plowing for people in the community. And one homestead with one of those patches of ground can raise enough food for themselves uh, throughout the year to last them all year. So when we say it is a life-saving difference, it really is a life-saving difference that you are making. So go with me to the ICBC note located at Lonzi. And the first picture you'll see, you'll notice, if I can point it out for you, yeah, there's the church building that uh, doubles as a preschool. And you'll see that water capture, that, tent, that, uh, that tower there. Uh, there are three of those green containers, typically at each ICBC. They're about 3,000 gallons each. You'll notice the one that's by the corner of the building. The ICBCs typically have them there for sure. Water capture, when it rains, it'll fill these up. And if there's enough rain throughout the year, it'll provide enough water for not only the pasture, but the people from the church and the community to come and find that. And water is precious there. The next shot is from the other end of the ICBC. And I want you to see, so now the church is at the far end of the photograph. Notice the incomplete building in the middle. I want you to notice and realize it's incomplete. It's not incomplete like a mission didn't get finished. It's intentionally not done yet, even though we would have done it earlier. I'll explain why. So let's follow Pastor Clement as he takes us on a walk uh, down the hill from the church. Uh, take a guess. What are those sticks in the ground with the stick across? Okay? Now, remember that uh, an ICBC may have 100, 150 people on a weekend, and uh, over half of them are children, so that would be the play area. Did you ever ride a seesaw or a teeter-totter? Yeah. That's what a teeter-totter is. 
uh, African style when necessity is the mother of invention. So he walks us down to the local water supply. It is a spring. This is spring-fed water supply. And this is where locals would typically bring their buckets and fill them. Uh, they're actually large containers, five-gallon containers, typically, as I've seen. And in, the, in Lava Mesa, for instance, there are donkeys that kind of roam the, the area. And you'll take a donkey down, uh, get these five-gallon containers, uh, four of them, tie them with a rope, and put it over the donkey and take it home. You also see that this is used for water for livestock uh, by the hoof prints that are there. And that might kind of gross you out, but that's the reality. This was the water supply until recently, through your giving, we were able to fund a well, they call them boreholes, for $15,000. And so Pastor Clement is standing uh, proudly and gratefully next to his, his well. And so I took a brief video of him explaining the significance in ministry of this well to the community. I'm coming for the second time. I'm showing you where I get water now. I'm showing you where I used to get water. Now I'm getting water at this well that has polluted. So I'm very grateful that the community is getting very clean water. I showed you where we got water, and now I show you where we get water now. It's very clean water for the community. If you don't believe that's an outreach tool. He preaches about living water, yeah, and then give them actual water. And again, you make that possible. So he took us on a walk down the lane, and we passed some church members and his wife. They were doing yard work, and so we paused for this photo op. And he's walking us along this fence. You'll notice a little ahead of us on the left uh, that there is one of the plowed strips of land that you paid for the tractor to plow that. And as we got there, I took a picture of the woman planting seed in there. She is around 72 years old, and this is the long version of going to Kroger. You plant it, you cultivate it, you harvest it, but the people in the community are so grateful for the plowing, uh, and they're able to plant the seeds. And again, she's able to sustain herself for the whole year on that ground that you made possible. As we walk further, you'll see the kind of stick and mud homestead that she lives in and that are common across uh, Swaziland. Uh, there's no plumbing. There's typically not electricity or running water. And so uh, what amazes me is the shepherd's heart of Pastor Clement. And when I talk with pastors uh, here or there, uh, Jesus talked about Pastors with a shepherd's heart and a hireling's heart. A hireling is in it, it's just a job, it's for the money, but a shepherd is in it for the love of the sheep. And God taught me some phenomenal lessons in moments with Pastor Clement. And so he calls this house, it's his three-day house. We have to see my three-day house. While we were walking here to the three-day house, uh, we also walked by a building that's not done yet, but it will be, as I know Clement. And it is a shop that they're going to use as like a local grocery and a supply store for the community because there's no uh, shopping available for them to get supplies and it'll be one more way to do sustainability in the community. But you have to listen to Pastor Clement about his three-day house. Again, what is this? Say it again. Yeah, this is my house. And what you, you're... I, I built it in three days. Three days you yes. built this house yes. and you and your wife live here. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yes. I built my house with these uh, pallets. Okay, those with pallets. Yes, pallets. 
Yes. You built and, your house with pallets. Yes, then I put mesonite outside and put good paint. Well done. Yes. So this is home sweet home. Yes. For Pastor Clement and his wife. Yes, with, uh, with my wife, yeah. Until the larger house is completed. Yes. But his priority was the church. Was the church because they, we wanted to have the preschool. Yeah, the yes. church and the preschool. Wanted yes. to have that first. Yes. And so they're living here. Yes. And uh, wow, well done. Let me remind you, it's rainy season. We were without power several times while we were there because of how the torrential downpours. I love a good thunderstorm, and there were plenty of them lighting up the night. While they're lighting up the night, we're staying in a, in a small hotel. He's staying in his three-day house with his wife. Made out of pallets, masonite, and good paint. No bathroom, no running water, no big screen, nothing. Did you see the smile on his face? See how proud he was of my three-day house? Now let me take you back to what I said moments ago. The unfinished building, normally when we go to an ICBC, the key is to have the pastor there at the church in the community, by the community, the first building we normally build is the pastor's house. And Clement said, no, we've got to build a church. We have to have a preschool up and running. By the way, we need a shop. I have a fine house I built for me and my wife that's barely bigger than a full-size bed. We'll get to it when we get to it. And I, I happened to think, and I, I, I didn't, I could have easily broken down, I didn't, because I didn't want to embarrass him, but I, I thought to myself, I am standing in the personification of Philippians 4, where Paul said, not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. The crazy thing is, Pastor Clement doesn't even know he's suffering need. I have my three-day house. I have meals that brothers and sisters from America send that are kind of a staple supplementing the rest of our diet. And it's just basic rice. He doesn't even know he's suffering need and he has lack. Because he's discovered that true contentment is a blessing from God. And it's ironic that in our nation, you know, we spend a day in Thanksgiving and then we spend the rest of the weekend looking at, I have to have what I want. When reality, contentment is choosing to want what I have and accept what I'm given in grace. And what I have seen in Africa, and it humbles me, Pastor Clement doesn't know that he, he kind of upgraded just the internal experience of my Thanksgiving because I have so much, I have ridiculously much to be thankful for, as do you. But it really turned my heart not so much to the things to be thankful for, the greatest things to be thankful for aren't things. They're internals and they're tangibles and they make all the difference in my world. And 
Sociologists and psychologists tell us what the Bible already knows, and that is that gratitude that yields contentment is a source of great gain, the Bible says. We talk a lot about mental health and emotional health and well-being. One of the keys that they will tell you, that this book tells you, to a sense of personal well-being is to cultivate a sense of gratitude and thanks. Jesus did that in his earthly ministry, and we thought it'd be good to close this service with communion. And if you didn't receive your elements, if you missed them coming in, uh, if you'll raise your hand, section leaders, if you look across your section, any other sections, just raise it up. I know there's hands there, over here. Uh, wave at them and they'll get it to you. Listen to what Jesus did when it comes to gratitude and thankfulness must have been so much about what he was about, who he was. He couldn't help do it. You can tell when somebody chooses to be thankful on Thanksgiving. Yay, the whole nation does. But we just can't help do it. You just can't help be thankful. You just can't help be grateful. It's part of who you are. Jesus had internalized it. It was a value of his life. The Apostle Paul writes about the Last Supper, what we're about to do. And he said in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 11, I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Two things stand out to me in that. On the night in which he was betrayed. Knowing what was ahead of him at that last supper. I mean, you talk about not going according to plan. From the beginning of the last supper, it wasn't what he would have imagined. He gets there and his disciples are arguing with each other who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. One of the disciples, during dinner, gets up and walks out and betrays him. On that night, when he came to the end of it to establish what we're about to do, he broke bread. He gave thanks. That's someone whose DNA was gratitude. That's someone who gave it all up. I don't care if Jesus would have come to the, to the world and lived in the greatest palace. It still would have been a place of need compared to where he left. He left heaven, all the rights and privileges of deity, perfection, and came here, was born in a barn, and this final supper with his disciples is not according to plan, and he couldn't help but give thanks. If we want the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension, and guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, as Paul says. One of the key ingredients, my friend, is to learn to be thankful, learn to have gratitude, and learn to want what you have, not be obsessed to have what you want. So would you bow with me in a moment of prayer, in a moment of thanks, and would you take this moment before I lead us just to whisper a prayer of thanks to God for the people he's blessed you with, Thank him for the blessings of salvation and hope, the difference that he makes. Thank him that you're part of the body of Christ, the representation that we hold. Just say a prayer of thanks. Jesus, how we thank you. How grateful we are to you 
that we get to be part of your body. How grateful we are for brothers and sisters in Eswatini, boys, girls, men and women we may never meet, but you still allow us through love and compassion to, to make a difference in their lives, that they make a difference in their nation. I thank you for this body. Thank you that we are part of one another. And we ask that you would continue to be glorified in us and through us to be a blessing to others. And we ask this as we remember you in Jesus' name. Let's take the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup. In the same grateful way. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. The Bible says that the blood of Christ is a source of healing for us. By his stripes you're healed. And the blood of Christ is a source of forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. If you eat either one of those at this time, will you bow your head with me and just quietly whisper a prayer for healing, physical, emotional, relational. Whisper a prayer for forgiveness of anything that troubles your conscience. And a prayer of gratitude that he was willing to die for you and I. Jesus, we're so thankful that you came to seek and save the lost, and that includes us. Thank you for forgiving us our sins. Thank you for healing us. God, the countless times, and, and some might say, well, I haven't had a miraculous healing. No, but how many times were we sick, were we ill, were we injured, and we recovered? Thank you for that as well. Thank you for the hope we have in you and, and that we proclaim your death on the cross for us until you come and until we drink this new with you in your kingdom. I ask your blessing on each person here today as part of Christian Life Center. Continue to bless us forward, God, that we might bless where we live, our greater Dayton area, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup together. And before we're dismissed, will you take just a few moments and kind of drink in this song as a, a song of gratitude for all that God has done for us. All my words fall short I got nothing new How could I express All my gratitude I could sing these songs As I often do Every song must end And you never do So I throw my hands And praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's but nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing Hallelujah Hallelujah I've got one response I've got just one my arms stretch wide
God, we thank you for who you are. God, we pray that as we uh, think about our friends in Eswatini, about these taking it to the streets testimonies we got to hear today, that we would have a heart of gratitude for who you are, for what you've done for us, what you've blessed us with. We have so much to be grateful for. And if nothing else today, we can be grateful for the fact that Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross for our sins, even though we didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. And that gives us the hope and the promise of eternity with you, God. So we thank you for that today. And uh, we just pray that uh, as we talked about Thanksgiving, not just being a day in the calendar, may it be our heart posture. May it just be our attitude uh, as we go throughout our lives that we would just be grateful um, for you and for who you are. So uh, God, we... uh, just give this day to you. Give this Thanksgiving season to you, this holiday season, God. May you bless it. May you bless each person here. And I uh, just thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. amen. Let's give it up one more time for all these amazing te- taking to the streets testimonies. Our friends in Eswatini, the amazing things going on there. God is good. So thank you all for being here. and We'll see you next week.